from Isaiah 43. Um, and and uh, what we're going to do tonight is read this text. Um, this is a text that I come back to probably every year around this time, kind of between Christmas and New Year's, as I kind of look forward to what's ahead of uh, of me, what's ahead for us as a church, what's ahead for um, really anybody that's a believer. This is the text that I come to a lot um, because it's very, um, it, it speaks of our purpose um, as believers, our purpose as individuals, and our purpose as a community, um, as a faith community, um, as a church. Um, obviously, originally it, was, it spoke of Israel, but I believe that it carries forward in time and it speaks to us. We looked at this text last January, I believe, or this past January, um, kind of to start the year off. So I thought it would be fitting to close the year with this same text. Um, we aren't going to retread that message or, or that, that uh, conversation, but we are going to look back at some of the things that we've been talking about recently um, about what uh, God's vision for us is in this new year and what our, um, what our calling is as a church um, to, continue to, be, uh, to continue to be obedient um, and uh, on mission for his kingdom and uh, as his people. So we're going to read this, and uh, I encourage you to take this text home and read all 28 verses of it. Um, the, ones I, the verses that we're going to read together, um, verses 1 through 7 and 18 and 19, are just uh, kind of the, the, the icing on the cake. There's a lot here, and it's a really good text to memorize and uh, speaks to our personal callings um, individually and, and obviously collectively. So I want to read this. And then at the end of our time together, after we kind of talk through who we are as a church and what our vision is for the future, um, I'm going to give you all an opportunity, maybe if you want to share something, um, you want to uh, kind of just speak to, to what the church means to you and what you, wanted, what you want to kind of um, do for, as a part of the church going forward, whether it's a, a small resolution or whether it's just a comment or whether it's just an idea. Um, I want to give everybody an opportunity at the end of the time to uh, just to kind of say, what you, what you want to say, what you feel like saying, as long as it's constructive and as long as it's uplifting. Um, if it's anything less than that, you can talk to me privately. Anyway, uh, but I want to give everybody an opportunity to kind of let their voice be heard at the end of our time. After all, this is the last uh, service of the year, so I uh, um, want to give everybody kind of a time to reflect, kind of look back, um, and then we're going to close um, our time together in prayer um, around uh, the altar um, as a family, as a community. So I think that will be a good way to end the year. Um, but before we get into all that, Isaiah 43, uh, the Word of God says, verses 1 through 7, But now, thus says the Lord, you, who created you, O Jacob, He reformed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. So that's to every one of us individually tonight. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Maybe you've passed through some waters this year, and you can say, hey, God was with me. And maybe this is a reminder that he was indeed with you whenever things got tough. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I, have, I will give men for you and people for your life. For not, for I am with you, I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, that includes you, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, again, that includes you, I have formed him or her, Yes, I have made him, I have made her. We were created by God for his glory, for his 
name. And, and skip down to verses 18 and 19. And this is, I think, fitting as we understand that God has created us, as we understand that God has called us, as we come to an end of the year and we look forward to a new year, I believe these verses are very fitting. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. What's behind you is behind you. Can't change it, can't undo it. But as you look forward, God says, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So God makes a promise that as we enter a new year, we are still His. We are as called and chosen and redeemed and saved uh, and purposed as we have ever been. Verse 7 will never not be true about you. You've been called by His name. You've been created for His glory. You've been formed and made by Him. That will never change. And whether you mess up big time or are obedient as you can be, it applies to both sides, right? It's not about what we do or who we are. It's about who He is. He created, called, redeemed, chosen, formed every one of us. And as we come to the end of the year, we often reflect and we often maybe have regrets or have a lot of things we wish we would have done better, wish we could do over. God says, hey, that stuff's over. It's behind you. And I'm still casting this vision over you as you go forward because I'm still going to use you. I've got great things in store. I'm going to do a new thing. We talked this morning, the new thing there means a new grain. It doesn't mean something brand new, but it means a new batch. It means that God's going to do something. Maybe he's going to do it again. Maybe he's going to do what he did before, but this time you've got a chance to make it right or do it right or do it the best you can do. And I think this applies to us as a church more than ever. As we face a new year, as we strive to uh, follow through as for, uh, over with, with what God's cast over us, we want to have forward motion. We want to go forward for God's glory, for His kingdom's gain. You know, we gather three times a week and have learned a lot, no doubt, and we'll learn a lot more over the next year as we have this past year. Um, but I've said this before, um, and I want to say it again tonight before we really get started. We as a church strive to be more than just a knowing church. You know, I do this three times a week, and every once in a while we get a week off or something's different, but overall, you know, we're here three times a week, and we are studying, 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 we're learning, learning, learning. We've covered Exodus this year, we've covered through uh, books of the New Testament, First and Second Peter, we've went through James, we've went through a lot of good stuff over the last year, we've covered lots of, new, of Scripture on Sunday mornings, we've studied almost the entire book of Luke. If you go back through and look at what we studied in the mornings, we spent a lot of our Sunday mornings this year studying Luke's gospel, and God really kind of focused me in on Luke back in the spring and said, hey, I want you to preach as much of this as you can this year. We've studied a lot from Acts. We've talked a lot from both Old and New Testaments. Um, but of course, we, we, we forget more than we remember, but we've learned a lot this year. Um, and, and that's great. But as much as I teach and as much as we come together and study, we are not just about knowing a lot of stuff. Uh, we don't want to just be a church that knows a lot of stuff and has all the right stuff in our heads. We want to be a doing we want to be a going, we want to be a growing church. We want these amazing truths to benefit and bless our lives and more than that, other people's lives. I do this because I believe that these truths can bless your life. And what makes my heart beat and what makes my passion, what my passion is for is, is that we might would understand the Word of God can change our life and God wants to use it to make us different and make us better and make us have an impact in our world. You know, Jesus told a parable about the wise man, and the wise man was blessed because, not just because he knew the right stuff, but because he used it, because he applied it, because he obeyed it. So we want to be that kind of church. 
Remember, Jesus said that we will be known not by our knowledge, not by our wisdom, not by our records of attendance or our tithing records, right? Not by the stuff that we know. He said that we will be known by what we do with what we know. And he said that there was one specific thing that we have to do with what we know. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another by this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So how are we going to be recognized The new thing that God wants to do in this world, the new thing that God wants to redo in this world is send His love out into a world that so desperately needs it. And He wants to use every single one of you. He has made you. He has formed you. He has called you to love one another. Now, what we know, it's not about what we know, but how we love. And I think a lot of times we are so influenced by what we know And we often think that's what defines us as Christians, what defines us as believers. But again, Paul takes what Jesus said and and tells us this in 1 Corinthians 8. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. So he says, hey, if you think just because you are smart, because you are informed, because you're wise in the Scriptures, that's great. But if we think we've arrived at 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 an intellectual place just because we've learned a lot and attended a lot and have studied a lot... That's not what makes us Christians. That's not what defines us as Christians. Scripture says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So what makes the difference is loving the Lord and using that love to love other people and see the world change because of that love. That's what God recognizes and that's what God blesses. Our vision for 2020 is all, around, all about loving God and loving people more and to, to its proper end. We talked a while back uh, about, how God, um, about how God is for us, right? How God is for everyone, so we ought to have this for everyone agenda. This agenda that we want to tell everybody what the Scripture in Isaiah says about us, that we were made, we were called, we can be redeemed, we have been saved. We want to tell everybody that good news, right? Because this good news is about us, but it's also about them. But we need to make sure that it gets to them, right? That it gets to as many people as possible, and that's what our purpose is as a church. We want to be a church that God can communicate His good news and His love and His favor through. And a few months ago, we, we kind of rallied around this vision, this for everyone vision for 2020, and we, we decided there are three pillars, three pillars about fulfilling this and, and, and taking this vision to its reality. And these three pillars um, are all about presentation, uh, participation, and demonstration, um, how we present the truth as a church, how you all participate as, as a part of our church, and how we demonstrate and model our faith in our world. So I'm going to address the last two later on in our time, and uh, a little bit um, we'll talk about that. But I want to start out by talking about presentation, because this obviously is what gets the most attention, uh, because it deals with what we do three times a week. Um, and what we gather together to do um, uh, on Sundays and on Wednesdays, specifically our Sunday morning time. Um, we want to t- I want to talk about why we do what we do, uh, what defines us as a church and our worship and our, our, our patterns and our behavior. Uh, and this is more on my shoulders to craft and influence and focus on, but I need your help. Um, and, and I think it's good that we all kind of understand why we do what we do so everybody kind of can see, oh, well, that's why we do that, and that's why they do that. Um, obviously, we're, we want to make our services great. 
Um, but uh, this is about extending that into your lives and your daily lives and your activity in the world. Um, so to address our services for just a minute, um, I'm of two minds when it comes to how I approach our worship services and how I, as a pastor, try to lead um, what we do every single time that we meet. When I'm talking to Christians, I come across one way, and I might come across completely different when I'm talking about non-Christians. Um, you might think that's a little bit hypocritical or that's a little bit disingenuous, but I'm okay with that uh, because I, I think that there's, there's an approach to, turn, there's, there's a way to, to approach church as a Christian, and there's a way to approach church in regards to non-Christians, and I'll explain that. Um, the church is heaven's outpost. We are given an obligation to reflect heaven's glory in a world that does not know God. Um, it's no secret that the world is lost, right? And the church has been placed on earth strategically as a light and as a preservative and as a means of getting the truth out and getting the grace of God out. So this requires that Christians not just attend seeking entertainment or seeking appeasement, but this is about being a part of God's church. And y'all know me, you've heard me preach enough that church membership to me is serious business. Uh, church membership is life to me, and I don't, I don't just say that as a pastor. If I, didn't, if I didn't believe that, I would probably be a bad pastor, but I, as a Christian, church membership is everything. Uh, God brings us into a local church, and the scripture says that we are the body of Christ, and we are individually members of the body of Christ. Now, it may take several attempts to get this, but the way I see it, Wherever this sinks, now my point is, not everybody's been in the same church all their life, and that's okay. God moves us around, and it takes a while to find the right place. I don't care where this sinks in at, wherever, whatever body God's put you in, but wherever this starts to become real to you, which I'm hoping is right here, because y'all are here right now, wherever this sinks in is where, you're, is where you are to entrench your heels and focus all you have on. You may bounce around from place to place, uh, thinking it's all about finding a good preacher, finding a good, you know, whatever, until you realize it's much more than that. I think the story of a lot of people, I think this is just God getting you in the right place. A lot of us, we've went from church to church, and we've went through things, and that preacher left, and we left, and they, you know, this thing fell apart, and you know, we left. And A lot of us have been a lot of different places, right? And we, even churches go through a lot of different designs, and a lot of different formats, and a lot of different you know, uh, looks. Um, but I think God works through all that to get us to the right place. And as we look into 2020, I believe every one of you are in the right place. And those that call this church their home are in the right place. And it's my job as a pastor to speak to those that God has brought here and passionately preach and persuade you to make this local church the place you're going to commit and serve. Now, here's the thing. Part of that persuasion is to convince you that whether the sermon's always good, because sometimes it's not, whether the sermon's always good, whether the services are always as best as you would hope they would be. My goal as a pastor is to lead us in what I think is a biblical approach in understanding where God has placed us and how God wants to sustain us. And here's what I mean by that. God brought every one of us here. God is the one who gathered us, who gathers us, who has gathered us into this place. God has made you a member of Risen Church. Now, God may change that one day. I don't know. But right now, from what I can see, God has made you a member of this church. And that is a very holy and sacred thing. I don't take it lightly that I'm a pastor, right? And I don't take it lightly that God has brought you and made you a sheep. God has made you a part of, an important part of this church. 
God has placed you here. And you know what God wants to do, first and foremost, to you, for you as a member of this church? He wants to sustain your life and sustain your soul through this church. Now, not every meal is as good as Thanksgiving, right? Not every cookout is like the 4th of July. Not every holiday is Christmas. There's a lot of other meals. There's a lot of other cookouts in the summertime and, and, and spring and fall. There's a lot of other holidays. But every meal, not just Thanksgiving, every meal keeps us alive. Every cookout can be a good time. And every holiday is a day off. See what I'm saying? Every meal sustains you. Now, you don't remember what you had two months ago on a Tuesday. I probably do, but, you know, that's I'm weird. I eat the same stuff all the time. You don't remember what you had, what had, what you had three months ago on a Wednesday. You might not remember what you, what, you got, what, what you did on a random holiday in the summer two years ago. You might not remember that cookout that you had in the middle of May a couple of years ago. You might only remember the Thanksgivings and the Fourth of Julys and the Christmases, but there's a lot of other stuff in there that God used to sustain you. See, my point is that not every sermon, not every service, not every experience is going to change your life, but it's going to keep you alive. And it's about understanding that as a Christian and as a church member, and that can change the way we approach every given Sunday. My point is we need to learn to understand that God works in every meeting and in every message and every service. Should those in position lead, do their best? Absolutely. Should we strive to make sure we lead the best we can and, 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 and uh, you know, put on the best services we can? Absolutely. But we need to focus, as a member of the church, we need to make sure our focus and dependence is on God, how He wants to use us within the church He's placed us in. Now, regarding how we approach outsiders, I take things a little differently. I assume that Christians kind of understand all that and should understand all that, but now outsiders, they don't know that. They have no idea why they should be in church, and they have no idea that they're being sustained by a random service in the middle of, uh, of the winter. Here's where I want to talk to those in leadership and to those who lead worship, and all of you who lead from your pew and lead from your place. Maybe you have opinions about why we do what we do and how we do it. And maybe you wonder, you know, why do we do things this way and sing this, and why, is, why, do things, you know, why did we change the looks of this, or why are we tweaking that? This has a lot to do with our approach toward outsiders, our approach toward those that are not saved and those that are not believers but may come in and be a part of our community and how we use our services every single Sunday, especially as a possible platform that somebody new might step onto, and we want to make sure they can see God clearly from that place. And I think that benefits everybody as well, but I want to talk about how this kind of intersects with us as believers as we try to reach out to non-believers. See, we gather together to worship. Everything about his house ought to exude and speak of God's excellence. God deserves our best. God deserves the best platform and vessels to work and display his power through. And God wants to reach people, right? So we as a church have to make sure that we are doing whatever we got to do to make sure that this platform and this vessel, this house, and we as members of this house are doing the best we can do to make sure that God can work and display His power through our services, through our service as members of this church, through how we are hospitable toward guests, toward how we treat one another, how we engage in worship, how we reach out to one another. God deserves the best platform and vessels we can give him, right? 
That's why it matters, right, what this looks like and what that looks like. That's why it matters that we make sure that things are always the best they can be, as excellent as they can be, right? And more than that, God's target audience deserves the best presentation to see and hear Him through. Now, you may wonder, well, who's His target audience? Is it not me? Of course it's you. But every single week that we gather together, God's heart beats for the one that does not know Him. Right? And God's heartbeat, God's target audience deserves the best presentation we can give them to see and hear. We want to make sure that what we present to them can open their eyes and open their ears that they may say, wow, I get it. If, it, if, if what we do is as superficial as making someone say, that is awesome, that is worth it, right? When we bring people into this house, for them to stop and say, you know what, that is incredible, that is beautiful, that is amazing, that is so awesome, that is so cool. We want to get people to say and to feel and to respond to what God is doing here. That is worth it, and that's a step closer for that person to hear and open up to God. I bring up this scripture a lot from 1 Corinthians. It's a, it's a scripture from a very obscure text in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and it uses this word prophesy. Prophesy just means testify. It, 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 prophesy is, is New Testament will speak for every Christian, you know, exclaiming who God is, and hey, you know, whether it's singing about God, or testifying about God, or preaching about God, or witnessing about God. This is it. about anything that you do as a believer in the church. You are proclaiming what prophesy means, proclaiming the glory of God, proclaiming who God is. You do this when you sing, you do this when you pray. We do this when we teach and we preach. And listen to this scripture from 1 Corinthians. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So this is, this is the goal of every worship service, according to the New Testament. Read 1 Corinthians 14. It's so awesome, and it's so overlooked. God says, my goal for the New Testament church, my goal for this church, every church of every generation, is that it be full of believers who are proclaiming the goodness of God in an authentic and real way so that when an unbeliever or outsider comes in, they can be convicted, they can, be, they can kind of be disarmed, and they can look around and say, you know what? These people really believe in the God they claim to believe in. They are worshiping Him. They are reaching out to Him. This isn't fake. This isn't superficial. This isn't routine. This isn't religion. This is real. In every service, we aim to try to lead every one of you in modeling this for that one unbeliever or outsider that might come in so that they would be convicted, fall on their face, and declare that God is here. That's why we do what we do. That's why I lead us the way that I try to lead us. Everything we do is to witness to who God is, how good God is, and how powerful God is. Now, I want to address a couple things. Maybe you're wondering, some of you um, that come from a more traditional background, maybe you're curious, you know, hey, why, why did we all of a sudden a couple years ago move toward a more modern worship, and why do we do the worship team, and why, do we, why did we, you know, do the lights back here, and why are we making some cosmetic changes, why are we making some format changes? I want to talk about that, because I think that's important for us all to know about, and because we intend on moving in this direction more and more as we go into the future, because I feel like this is what God wants us to do. Um, in regards to modern worship... 
And I just mean, by modern worship, I just mean newer stuff. Modern worship obeys God's command to sing a new song. Now, I can't show you all the verses because there'd be too many and we'd be here all night. All throughout the Bible, there is a commandment to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song, all the earth. There will never be a moment for all eternity that the well of worship will run dry. God is infinite, and so our praise should be endless. And we are called to participate in His in new expressions of praise to our limitless God and join in singing with all that we are. Jesus told the Jews on one occasion, God is the God of the living, not the dead. That's not saying he wasn't the God to those that are gone before us, but God, Jesus saying, listen, I want to focus on right here, right now, and there's something new to sing about. And it's good, it's okay, right? to still sing the old and to remember what God has done before. And we don't ever want to do away with that or say that wasn't important. But singing a new song reminds the current generation that God is real, God is authentic, and they can relate to Him just like they are looking around everything else in the world. They can turn to God and find somebody that loves them and cares about them. And they can connect with Him just as they are. Modern worship, musically fresh, it's jubilant, it's theologically strong, and a lot of the songs that we sing, they're about singing to God. They're about proclaiming God's wonders. And, and I'm not here to make disciples or acolytes of anybody or anything but Jesus, okay? Each week, we want people, each week, we want people to come one step closer to Jesus. So if you can just get a step closer, that's fulfilling our goal. We want them to hear. We want every one of you to hear from God and leave change. So as we continue to sit down and evaluate how our services and are doing this, our first question is always, will this add to or will this distract from somebody's experience? That's what determines the changes that we make, and that's what influences the direction that we go in. In another time in history, artists and designers were asked to plan and erect buildings that would cause people to encounter Jesus. If you go throughout history, the reason why these towering cathedrals were built, the reason why stained glass windows were put in churches, the reason why there were these ornate carvings and these beautiful pipe organs multiple stories tall, it was because that was the finest craftsmanship of the day that the people in leadership thought would direct people to Jesus the best way. Every generation is responsible to use the tools that are in front of them to the best and to the glory of God to bring as many people to Him as possible. Those architects and those designers and those artists were using the tools available. And we are called to use the tools available to draw people's attention heavenward and evoke a sense of awe and wonder. And this comes back to our point earlier, that we are called to communicate the word and wonders of God in a way that our audience can coherently hear and engage. Today we design and plan and create environments and atmospheres with similar goals, but we use modern tools. We must consider every aspect of our facility and our presentation. We don't just sit on our hands and say, well, you know what, it's God's job to do all that stuff. You know, we're just here and we're going to keep doing what we've always been doing. We don't just sit back and say it's God's job to bring people and keep people. He says to us, it's your job. I've told you what to do, and I will bless you if you do it. Luke 14 tells us this very clearly. Y'all know this parable, but just a part of it. The master said, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people. You know what compel means? Persuade them, convince them, lure them, say whatever truthfully, and, and do whatever you got to do to bring people 
into the house, right? Use maximum effort. And part of that includes presentation. We've got to stay updated and on, ta- on, on mission in this approach. Even with all, that, all the new technology, there will always be the same concern as we move forward. Will this enhance somebody's experience or will this detract from it? And if it detracts from it, it's not got a place in what we do. This is why programming lights and doing what we do is so important to shift the atmosphere. When people walk into our services, we want, we want them to encounter uplifting and upbeat music, smiling faces, because we are celebrating, aren't we? We gather on Sundays to celebrate. And I know not everybody's going to always come in on Sunday mornings you know, feel as happy as can be, right? Some days are, are not as good as others, but we gather on Sundays to celebrate, don't we? So we want people to understand, hey, you've come to a celebration. It's a big deal. Bright colors, engaging pictures, flashy environments are all about creating a space that is fun, inviting, warm, and disarming. Our hope is that they put it, they're put at ease and they are welcomed into something bigger and something exciting. Specifically, with lights and dimmer worship environments, it's all about making people feel safe and comfortable and encouraging them to worship. Here's one thing. Worship is more than just words, by the way. And this is something that makes me very uncomfortable because I've, I've been, you know, little old me, Baptist, that sits on my pew and I stand like this and I just barely sing. Worship is more than just words. Worship is from our entire being. And it's my goal, and I believe that we as a people can learn how to worship God more freely, right? You know, we sing, holy is the Lord, you know, I lift up my hands, right? And it's kind of funny singing a song about lifting up our hands, and we would never lift up our hands, right? Because that's just not what we do, right? But hey, we are going to learn as a people to be more expressive in our worship, right? To be more engaged in our worship, to make somebody else feel free that they can do that too, right? We want to encourage people to surrender, to praise God with their entire being. But it's not just about what we do on Sundays. Uh, This is about what we do day to day, because after all, the kingdom of God is much bigger than just our church. And that's what makes it even more exciting, guys. God's kingdom can can grow, and it's going to grow, whether our church grows or not. God's kingdom has never stopped growing. That's our main and constant goal. And I think this can encourage us, even if we don't always see the results that we are looking for, we're contributing to something that is only getting bigger and only getting better. We are going to continue to work and rework how we function as a body. And of course, there's a lot of things to look forward to as we refocus and rework and and, and reintroduce our small group environments. We want to put the word in more laps and wire us all closer together. And what each of us do and who each of us are matters, right? What we do when we're not here is as important as what we do when we are here. Because we are all risen church. We represent risen church wherever we are in all that we do. Now here's the thing. Ultimately, I am just one of the members of this church. I am just a leader. Now, I know I bear the responsibility to do most of the leading, but I can only do my part. We have to all do our part. And y'all are already great at this, uh, but we got to keep it up. And I don't say this to, 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 to be critical. I say this because I know it can get kind of a, the grind can get wear on us, right? Another year, another, uh, you know, expectations, another, you know, list of resolutions and prayers that may or may not be answered. Listen, I want to encourage you all to not grow weary in what you've been doing. Keep giving, keep serving, keep being faithful because we're building something together. 
We're a part of God's kingdom, and it's much more than just the sum of its parts. Sometimes we can only see the small pieces, and we can only see the disjointed pieces, and it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? But we must continue to serve God by faith, serve by faith that God can take what we do and do much more with it. See, we just bring a little bit, but we bring that to God believing that He can do much more with it. And together, as a whole, much more can be accomplished. Ephesians 3, Scripture says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. So we put our faith in a God who can do much more than us. But every one of you, every one of your works, every one of your efforts, every one of your participation, every one of your uh, 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 you know, uh, hand and feet as a part of the body, every one of you and every one of our efforts matters. Now, here's the thing. This is more than just about our services because we have a great community that we can go out and work in. And one thing we're going to do as a church and what I've been burdened about um, as a leader is to, to lead us into doing ministry. Um, and, and more than just on Sundays, more than just on Wednesdays. We've done a little bit with our Lincoln High School and some other things. But listen, I know it can be intim- intimidating when, it, when we talk about evangelizing and spreading the good news and reaching out to people and inviting people. We as a church need to and are going to do better uh, about creating ministries, partnering with other ministries, and allowing you all an opportunity to serve in different capacities in our community as a representative of this church. Now listen, not every one of you, I know, not every one of you can preach, wants to preach, wants to witness like I might am wired to do, right? But listen, every one of you can serve in some way, and it's my goal in this new year that we create opportunities for you to serve the best that you can in an ability that you are gifted with. It's like one of my favorite movies has taught me, and I've used this as a lesson before, um, anyone can cook even a rap. My point is, y'all don't remember that sermon, but I'll preach it again one day. Every one of you has a gift, right? Every one of you can serve and be a part of ministry in some capacity. It's our job as a church to lead you and help you find that place. And I make a promise to you that we're going to do the best we can to give everybody an opportunity to find their purpose within our community. More than just sitting in a pew, more than just singing on Sundays but through the week in our communities. And, and, and listen, we're called to do good for the sake of doing good, not just for the sake of results. Jesus even said in Luke 14, you will be blessed because they can't repay you, that we should go and do good for others that can't do good back for us. And that's about making it purpose-driven, not results-driven. Because when we do things because God has said to do them for the good of other people, that helps us understand this is not about just the results we see. This is about the purpose that is found in serving one another. So it's our goal. It's our goal to help every one of you find a way to evangelize through action, activating ministry within our community in obedience to God to the benefit of the needy. And I want every one of you to pray because there may be something on your mind. I've already talked to a couple of church members just today about things they are burdened about and things they're passionate about of how we can be, uh, activate ministry in our community and reach out to those that may be in need in some way. And who knows, that may build a bridge to share the gospel. But otherwise, if it does good, it's still worth it. This is how we build the kingdom. And in result, this is how God will build his church, by doing good, 
by loving well, by giving more. And while we wait, in the meantime, here's something I think every church could learn to do well. We are so often, we are often so quick to form our own opinions and our own policies about this or that. We make ironclad decisions about what we're going to do or we're not going to do. But as a pastor, I want to make a promise to every one of you that as we move forward, we're going to defer all God-tier decisions to God because He's much better, He is a much better God than I am. And no offense, He's a much better God than you are. And as we move forward, we're going to make sure that we defer God-level decisions to God because He knows what He's doing. And He's going to make sure we always make the right decisions. We're going to make sure we honor Him with every decision and avoid making any decision that might not honor Him. We made a decision a while back that we're going to do whatever it takes to be obedient to Him. Whatever it takes for the kingdom's sake. All for God's glory. So church, I know that was kind of all over the place, but that's, that's just a snapshot. That's just a snapshot and kind of an a la carte presentation of what my heart is beating for as we go into 2020 to continue to make our services the best they can be to reach as many people as possible and to also create opportunities for every single one of you to be present in our community to wait to fly that flag to wave that that the, the glory of God to fan the flame for God's glory for our church's good and for somebody else's well-being